Good morning, Praise Centre. Thank you again for welcoming me into your home and welcome to my home also. I would like to thank Pastor Agus for the honour of being able to share God's word with you, you today. And I hope you've been coping well with lockdown number six. All over the world, people are in lockdowns or self-isolation. And the lockdowns encourage me to consider a number of people in Scripture who experienced a similar circumstance. Think of Moses in the wilderness, Egypt in slavery, Paul in prison, Joseph in prison, Paul in Arabia, Hagar banished into the desert, and the list could go on and on and on. This message is to encourage you to see that God wants to do something in you during these times of lockdown and isolation. What is the Lord trying to teach you in lockdown number six? Let's reflect on this biblically. Romans 8 verse number 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I once heard a preacher paraphrase this verse to say, Everything that happens to a Christian is either sent by God or used by God, that he is able to orchestrate or redeem any and every circumstance for our ultimate good in accordance with his will and purposes. And if that is true, and I believe it is, then God will providentially and redemptively use this time of lockdown for our good and his glory. So the title of my message is Lessons from Lockdown. Let's briefly look at three people in Scripture who experienced the equivalent of a lockdown and self-isolation to see what the Lord did in their lives that may be applicable to us. Lesson one, learn to prevail. In Genesis chapter 32, we find Jacob alone facing a crisis. He's about to face the consequences of his past. He's heard that his brother Esau was on his way to meet him with 400 men, and they had not seen each other since Jacob had deceptively stolen Esau's birthright as the firstborn. At the time, 20 years earlier, Esau was bitter and threatening to kill Jacob. And out of fear, he has sent his wives and children and possessions across the river Jabok ahead of him. He's by himself on the other side of the river. And Jacob has to face his fears alone before God. But Genesis chapter 32, verse number 24 says, So Jacob was left alone. Jacob was alone in self-isolation, but he wasn't actually alone because then it records suddenly a man appeared and wrestled with him till daybreak. Jacob later found out this was no ordinary man but an appearance of God in the form of a man. Jacob wrestled with this man physically and spiritually. God had taken the initiative in Jacob's isolation to come down and teach Jacob a lesson, to teach him to persevere, to teach him to stop running away from his problems as he had with Esau and Laban, to teach him to face his fears, to teach him to lay hold of God in a crisis. It was an unusual way to learn a lesson, to wrestle, but God knew what he needed to get the message through. 
Similarly, God wants to use this time of lockdown to teach us life lessons. It's often when we're finally alone that the Lord will come and work in us. And it may be a very unusual experience, but it could be the only way in which God can do his work within us. So Jacob and this man are wrestling. Astonishingly, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with God. And the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. And this is where Jacob's life was transformed and redefined. Jacob demanded, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob needed divine intervention in his life. Jacob had been a petulant, spoilt rascal all his life. Jacob had run from the past, but now he needed to face his fear. Esau, he needed God's blessing. He needed God's intervention. It had taken the Lord 20 years for Jacob to come to this point of surrender. And what we learn is that God is never in a hurry. He waits patiently. But when the time comes, the transaction is complete. And may we have that same cry in our lockdown today. Lord, I need change in my life. Lord, you've been trying to get through to me for a long time and now I get it. Help me, change me, mold me, transform me, bless me. And the lesson here is to persevere, to hold on and don't give up, but surrender to him and let the Lord do what he's been wanting to do in you. The man then asked for Jacob's name and Jacob answered, And the man declared, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. The name Jacob means heel grabber, remember his birth, or figuratively supplanter, deceiver. But now he would be called Israel, meaning he struggles with God or having power with God. This was a turning point in his life. He was never the same again. He was then enabled to fulfill the Lord's ultimate purpose for his life. Jacob's self-isolation became a life and destiny altering experience in his life because he cried out, I will not give up until you bless me. And in our lives, let's see this lockdown as a time to allow God to work in us. Jacob then cried out to know the man's name. But in verse number 29, it says, But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. God blessed him in the middle of his self-isolation. And verse number 30 tells us, Then Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob named that place Peniel, which means face of God. And some of you are going to come through this lockdown and will call it Peniel because it was the time you met with God in a life-changing way. You encountered his face. You experienced him and he transformed you. One night with God can change our destiny. One night with God can take away our fear. One night with God 
Lord can help us work through the consequences of our past wrong decisions. One night with God can enable us, like Jacob, to face our future. The lesson from lockdown in Jacob's life is to use this time to get hold of God and allow God to get hold of you. Don't give up in prayer. Prevail, endure and hold on. And suddenly, in a moment, your life could change. Lesson two, exercise your faith. A second lesson from lockdown is found in Mark 5, verses 25 to 35, where we are told the story of a lady who should have been in self-isolation because of her illness. Mark 5, verses 25 and 26 describe how she had had female menstrual hemorrhaging for 12 years. There had been a continual flow of blood. And this is significant to the story. This woman shouldn't have been in public. She was supposed to be in self-isolation. According to the religious laws of her day, she was regarded as unclean. And so to be in public was breaking the purity laws. It also meant she was ceremonially unclean, not permitted to take part in any temple worship. And if she touched anyone else, they would be unclean. And to make matters worse, she had spent all she had on doctors, but no one could help her. Medical science could do nothing more. Her financial position also meant that her options had been exhausted. Let's summarize her her self-isolation. Physically, she's isolated from health and wholeness. Medically, she's isolated because there was nothing more that doctors could do. Financially, she's isolated because she was broke. Socially, she's isolated from social interaction because of her illness. Spiritually, she's isolated from the worship life of the community in the temple. Her illness and isolation affected her whole life. But... This lady did not allow her isolation to deter her from reaching out to Jesus. Luke 8 verse number 27 says, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the edge of his cloak. Her resolve was, I must touch him. He is my last chance. It was like her actions were saying, Jesus, I need you. This has gone on for 12 years. Enough is enough. There has got to be a breaking point. There has got to be a place of breakthrough. This condition is unacceptable. I am looking to you, Jesus, for your power is greater. She could not risk an open approach. People might recognize her and prevent her from coming close to Jesus. But picture her pushing through the crowd, trying to touch Jesus. She had persistence, determination and resolve. She wanted breakthrough. And as she touched the edge of Jesus' cloak, the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. For the first time in 12 years, the hemorrhaging stopped. Her pain stopped. Her whole life was changed. She was no longer isolated or unclean. 
in an instant, she was whole. And may we have that same resolve in our time of isolation. May we press in and lay hold of Jesus, reach out to Jesus, cry out to Jesus and touch Jesus. Let us be desperate for his presence, for his powerful touch and his life-changing intervention in our lives. Like this dear lady in the Gospels, having suffered for 12 years, let's resolve in our time of isolation to touch Jesus. Lesson three, learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Even though Joseph received God-given dreams, the Lord providentially used a prolonged period of lockdown to prepare Joseph to fulfill the dreams. The lockdown was instrumental in shaping Joseph for what God had planned for him. Joseph's rejection by his jealous brothers at age 17 and his subsequent sale as a slave to Midianite traders triggered a sequence of painful and unenviable circumstances in his life. When he became uh, prime minister, 13 years had lapsed since his brother's betrayal. A long period of lockdown had obviously tested Joseph's heart and his dreams. And it could have been very understandable for Joseph to be bitter about what had happened to him. He'd been rejected by his brothers. He'd been falsely, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He'd been forgotten by Pharaoh's cupbearer. And it goes on and on. But no, the result of the lockdown produced the complete opposite in Joseph. During the famine that Joseph had predicted, Joseph's brothers had been sent to Egypt by Jacob to get grain for, the, for their diminished stocks and flocks. Unbeknown to them, they actually, they actually appeared before Joseph to request grain. And some time elapsed before Joseph revealed his identity as their forgotten and forsaken brother. And after their father Jacob had died, the brothers feared retribution for what they had done to Joseph. Joseph, however, displayed unusual kindness and grace to his brothers. Joseph understood that the providential hand of God had orchestrated his journey to and his elevation in Egypt. He reassured them by saying to them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. From Joseph's lockdown, we learn that though others may hurt us, there is no defense for us being vengeful to them. As difficult as it is, we must treat them as God treats us with undeserved forgiveness and a lot of grace. No matter what has been done to us or has been said about us, we need to keep our hearts free from bitterness. And perhaps God is using this lockdown to deal with things in our hearts toward others. If we do not choose to forgive, we become prisoners to our past. Someone has insightfully observed that unforgiveness produces past memories that are like ghosts 
haunting our present. It's like we rewind and replay a bad circumstance over and over again in our minds. Have you ever had a really bad photo taken of you? For example, do you remember a couple of years ago there was an app that that came out that showed you what you would look like in 25 years? I had it done. And here is a picture of what I'll look like in 25 years. And I look exactly like my grandfather. Now imagine if I blew that picture up really big and framed it and then hung it on the entry hall in my home for all to see. Now wouldn't that be absolutely ludicrous? Yet that is what some people do in their hearts if they don't don't forgive. The offence becomes like a framed picture in their heart. And consequently, we remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. Forgiveness helps us to forget. Forgiveness empowers us to move on from the painful past. And friends, today, there is a big difference between painful memories and memories of pain. You know, as a leader, I've been hurt more times than I can recall, but I can only remember a few of them. I generally don't consciously relive or replay those incidents. It's unhealthy. But there are times when something triggers a memory. And for a little while, less and less as time goes on, I remember the pain, but it no longer produces pain. It's a memory of pain, not a painful memory. Let me give you an example. Prior to COVID, I used to travel a lot. And sometimes I used to get sick because of the food I ate. In Ethiopia once, I ate some really bad meat. And it was an horrific flight home. I was so sick. And I lay in bed for two weeks before the doctors isolated the the, the bacteria that was causing the problem in, in my stomach. Once it was diagnosed, I was treated and it cleared up really quickly. It is now, to me, a memory of being sick, but it no longer makes me feel sick. Similarly, when we find a place of healing in our heart and we forgive others, it is just a memory of pain and no longer produces pain in our hearts. But if you are still carrying an unhealed, infected or crippling sense of pain, please forgive the person who caused the pain. Ask the Lord to bring healing and whenever possible, talk to some mature people to work it through. Don't allow what happened to you to define you or to keep you chained to the past. Forgive that person. Some years ago, I heard a powerful story which was originally written in the Reader's Digest. A lady who resided in New York City lived on one side of Central Park but worked on the other. At night, she always walked around the park and not through it for safety reasons. One night, she stayed back late at work for drinks. Because she was tired, she decided against her better judgment to walk through the park rather than around the park. And she'd never had a problem before. But just before she reached the other side of the park, a man silently snuck up behind her, put his arm around her throat and dragged her behind a bush where he viciously raped her and then beat her mercilessly and left her for dead. 
She was rendered unconscious, but came around a few minutes later. She couldn't walk because of her injuries, but managed to drag herself to the side of the road. And no one stopped to help her because they thought she was drunk. And eventually, a car stopped and a man got out. But when he walked in front of the car, the headlights illumined his face and she recognised it was the same man who had just raped her. And he dragged her off the road and behind some bushes where he beat her and beat her and beat her. And once again, he thought he had killed her. But she lived, but she was in a coma. She was eventually found and taken to a hospital where she made a remarkable recovery. As a, as a, a psychologist was appointed to her and he was the one that wrote the article. And one day he walked in and sat beside her and asked her the ultimate question. Do you think you'll ever be able to forgive the man who did this to you? And her answer blew him away. She said, I already have. He took one night of my life and that's all he's going to get. The story didn't say whether she was a Christian or not, but her attitude was Christian. I didn't want this to happen, but it did. But I am not going to let what he did to me define me or define the rest of my life. I forgive him. And friends, sometimes things happen to us and we must learn to forgive and not keep remembering and replaying over and over. And throughout a lockdown, not of his making, Joseph learned to forgive those who had hurt him. There's a further application from Joseph and his words to his brothers. Joseph also recognised that the Lord had redeemed an act done with an evil intent to achieve a divine purpose. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And may we realise that some experiences we go through have a far greater significance in shaping our lives than we may realise at the time. You may have been through some horrendous circumstances that you did not choose or want to happen. But if you trust in God, he can divinely turn things around. He can redeem any and every circumstance and turn it around for our good and his glory. God is using this lockdown for our good. God intends it for good. So let's, in this lockdown, learn to forgive those who have hurt us. So in summary today, let's not see this, uh, this isolation as, as a negative, but as a time when we, like the examples we've seen from Scripture, can reset our lives rediscover God and find revelation and transformation in his presence. From Jacob, we have learned to prevail. From the sick woman, we have learned to exercise our faith. And from Joseph, we have learned to forgive. And out of all that I've been saying to you today, I just really want to encourage you just to remember one thing that is most applicable to you and take that to heart and begin to talk to the Lord about whatever he is talking to you about today. So I bless you today in the name of Jesus Praise Center. I look forward to seeing you again face to face in the future. And may the Lord bless you and may this lockdown be used by God in a powerful way in your life. The Lord bless you.